Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Hi friends, Ash here, and I hope you're all fab. Today we are chatting all things cooking, all things that I am so not good at. Today I am thrilled to welcome Chef and author Amanda Fredrickson onto the Busy Mumsy podcast. Amanda's culinary work has been featured in Better Homes and Garden, Goop, Food and Wine, Food 52, Sunset, and the William Sonoba YouTube channel. In April 2020, Amanda published her first solo cookbook, Simple Beautiful Food, where she compiled some of her favorite recipes from over the years. And not long after that, because she's not busy enough, she opened her first fast casual concept called Radish that's in West Nashville. And I think she already opened like restaurant number two, which we're going to find out about. I am hoping Amanda can give me some tips on my poor cooking and maybe you can relate to this. So let's dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy chat. Amanda Fredrickson, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's nice to meet you. Oh, I, you're in one of my absolute favorite cities of all time, Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, it is a great, sorry. Are you like born and raised there or are you from somewhere else in the States? No, so I'm from Florida originally. um, But after high school, I went to college in Boston and then lived kind of all over the place from New York to San Francisco to LA. And then um, when I got pregnant with my first child, we were like, we're too far away from home on the West Coast. So we kind of tried to find somewhere that was closer that wasn't actually home. So that's kind of where we landed in Nashville. Wow. Yeah. So that we've been here a little over five years. And is that also a reason that it has cultivated the foodie in you? Because I have to say Nashville is a town to eat. Yeah. No, I think that started. I lived in San Francisco for a long time. Um, and I think San Francisco, Nashville has like an amazing food scene, but nothing compares to like the Bay Area with the incredible access to produce and the chefs and just kind of the food innovation that happens in the, happens in the Bay Area. So when I moved to San Francisco, I think I was like 26, maybe um, I kind of fell in love with food just through San Francisco and their farmers markets and just the access to amazing food at all price points everywhere in the city. Um, and then from there, kind of a long story short, ended up going to cooking school and worked in the Williams Sonoma Test Kitchen in San Francisco for a long time. Well, we are definitely going to be chatting that because <laughs> I want to—I really want to know, can anyone yeah. cook? But <laughs> before we get into that, because that is, that's like the million dollar question from yeah. my husband. He looked at me, he was like, if you're talking to a chef, you make sure you ask, can anyone cook? And then you come back to me and start cooking. Yeah. He's still waiting. 
We're still waiting. But let's go back to the corporate Amanda, because before you had the restaurants and before the cookbook and your incredible career as a chef, what was the corporate life? Why was the, uh uh-uh, I'm out? And were were the kids around then during this decision? Or was this kind of like then after the fact and then you were into cooking? So kids came after kind of like my transition into the food world. Um, one of my kids was actually born a couple months before we opened Radish. So they've kind of only known food, um, food and mom, right? Like mama is always cooking. Um, kind of my, you know, I graduated college with a communications degree, whatever that means, you know, in art history, which were great, but like there was nothing like, what do you do with that? Um, I landed in PR and I wasn't very good at it. I ended up in working in nonprofits, doing fundraising and events for them, which I liked. I worked at the Met Museum in New York and then worked at the San Francisco Ballet for a while, which I loved, and then um, ended up at the Children's Hospital at Stanford. We were living in Palo Alto at the time. My husband was in um, graduate school, and I just kind of what the Children's Foundation for the hospital down there does. It provides you know, access to care and covers the cost of care for those people that can't afford it. So I was fundraising for them and you know, liking my job. It was a great paid job. I think I had like six weeks vacation. You know, it was super convenient and flexible and I loved my um, coworkers, but I had a, a review with my boss one day and he's like, you're the hardest worker that I know. And I was like, I left, I was like, okay, great, but I'm working for someone else. You know, like I'm spending all of this time working and do you know, on the weekends, like I'm a devoted worker. Um, but I was doing it for someone else, even if it was an amazing organization, right, for kind of lower income kids that needed access to care, but it still wasn't something that I was creating on my own. So kind of from there, I had always dreamed about going to cooking school, living in San Francisco, like I mentioned, it was just kind of like part of the culture. Um, so I kind of just one day decided to quit my job and go to cooking school, you know, like it was um, pretty much just like that. I was in my early 30s. I was like, I don't have kids. The time is now if there's ever going to be a time. Um, So yeah, so quit my job and then started cooking school in May 2013, I think. Did that passion like also come from like your mom? Was that something that like you can vividly remember as a kid cooking all the time or just a passion that just grew while you were traveling and as you, um, you know, grew through your 20s into your 30s? So I think it's a little both. I think people that go into food either have parents that are super involved with cooking and cook and teach, or they have parents that just have like no interest in cooking or parents that don't have time to cook or, you know, like there isn't any sort of culinary um, influence when they're growing up. And that was mine. Like we didn't have, we, I didn't come from a cooking family. It was Florida in the nineties. Like, you know, we didn't, there wasn't much, much around like the culture around cooking. Um, so I think that, and then I've also been like, always attracted to the idea of cooking. You know, like I can remember stealing bags of flour from the cupboard and kind of going into the bathroom and making bread in the sink. You know, like those kind of are like the earlier memories of using your hands and creating something. So I don't think it was actually like cooking, cooking, but it was actually the creation of something um, that drew me to cooking. So after you established yourself um, with the Williams Sonoma, that that it was that like an award you got, or just a training that you went through to establish yourself? So it was, it's actually um, was a job. It was a nine to five job at Williams Sonoma, which is um, what? Yeah, a cookware company here in the states, um, and the test kitchen is literally a kitchen within, it's like what you'd think Condé Nast has for Bon Appetit or something. So it's the test kitchen within. Please tell me you got a good discount. Please I tell did. me you got a good discount. Yeah. I did get a good discount. Um, 
Yeah. And, and, you know, we cooked for the catalog and I cooked for their YouTube and I cooked for their socials. And, um, you know, anytime you'd see a recipe in their catalog, which this was, you know, 2015, 2016, and the catalog was still pretty, a pretty big seller. Like people still use the catalog to shop. We would come up with recipes to fill the stove cookware with. So people would want to buy that stove so they could cook that dish. So I learned kind of how food and marketing go hand in hand. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of like my my entryway into food styling, into using food to market, and then also kind of cooking for the home cook. And you know, entrepreneurs, like once they're like really in like the thick of it, it's kind of hard to steer out to even think about having a family, to even think about, oh, wait, I'm going to pump the brakes to make a child yeah. and all of that. For you, what was your journey into, oh, I'm I'm now like really being creative, really doing something that I'm passionate about and loving. When then was that spark of, wait, I can manage the two? Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can ever manage the two. I think anyone that says they can manage it all is probably lying to you. Um, I mean, I think it was- They're on you know, Instagram, Amanda. They're on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> yeah, and it's and fake. They, they make me shake and yeah. they make me- my phone and then I'll grab a filter and not cry. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's people that aren't sharing that they have a full-time nanny, you know, and um, right. I think that just makes other nanny, I'm yeah. able to sit here right now and have a chat with you because my nanny is in the other room. Yeah. I'm very lucky to feed my daughter dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that when people don't share that, it just kind of makes everyone else feel worse. I have a full-time nanny. I've had a full-time nanny for my, when I had my second since she was six weeks old. And I mean, I think, you know, she's my daughter's better for it. She has two people that like, you know, both of my daughters have two people that adore her and um, can support her. And then my husband is great with them. So it takes a village. Um, and I wouldn't say that there was like any kind of like, I want to have kids now because I have my life under control. I think it was I was just getting old, you know, like I was 36. And, um, you know, like you just don't have that many years as a woman to have kids. And so it was just basically. I vividly remember this. I when I went in to for my first scan, I thought they were looking for my cane because yeah. I she was a geriatric as I as I quote yeah. in that. It's insane if you are healthy and whatever, like don't judge. I'm here to to have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it was an age thing. And then it was kind of the we'll figure it out as we go. And so I was 36 when I had uh, 36, something like that. 36 or 30s. Yeah. Um, when I had my oldest and then um, I think I was 39 when I had my second. So yeah, it was more just like, you know, if you're going to do it, you better do it now kind of thing. And then um, my job at that point, I had left the test kitchen and we were living in LA. And so I was kind of dabbling with like internet online creation, um, you know, sharing recipes there, doing food styling. So I was kind of like a freelancer and I figured having a kid at that time would be pretty easy because I could kind of work whenever I had time rather than like having to go in nine to five. So then tell me when simply simple, beautiful food, your cookbook, yep. is that inspired for, you know, the busy mom that essentially like it's simplified. It's like five to eight steps. Like what is that cookbook that has the perfect name that will grab my eyes? Because when I see the word simple, I'm thinking, yeah. I think Ashley has a chance at this. Yeah. I mean, I think it started out of, you know, I started doing something in 2017 called fridge foraging, which I do still on social media six years later, 
where I go through my um, fridge and I just cook with what I have. And so that came about after a really successful, professionally successful friend of mine, you know, came and she was like, every night I need to cook and I'm too scared to cook. I don't know what to cook. And I'm like, you are so well educated and smart and all of the things, but yet you're, you are scared to cook. And so I think there's so much pressure on creating these like perfect meals and always having a perfectly stocked fridge. And so I started fridge foraging as a result to be like, you can cook with it. What do you have? It may not be beautiful or perfect, but let's, let's exercise that muscle to kind of use what you have in your fridge. Um, and so that simple, beautiful food kind of came out of that. I wanted to do a fridge foraging cookbook where kind of like you teach people what you have to cook with what you have. And my publisher, I had published a previous cookbook called the stove cookbook with the stove cookware company. So my same editor from stove and I were talking about kind of doing a cookbook together and I wanted to do fridge foraging and they were like, there's not a market for that. Or they don't know how to like create that kind of idea of how to just like show people how to cook with what they have. So from that, we kind of came together and created Simple Beautiful Food with the idea of like, you have kind of really simple ingredients, but you can make beautiful, easy food from that. What is your favorite uh, recipe out of the cookbook? Oh, that's a hard one. There's like a turkey meatball that is just easy and delicious. And we eat it probably one to two times a week. You know, it's not like a sexy meal, but my kids eat it. My husband eats it. So it's, um, yeah, it does the trick. <laughs> and are the kids getting involved in cooking now? How old are they? Um, three and a half and five. Okay. So my, my daughter is not too far behind yours. She's, she's just over the, the three-year-old hump. Oh, good. Oh, fun. Yeah. yeah. They're wild. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then you, you also had a pandemic baby. Um, a little bit before. So she was born January, 2020. Um, but I, you know, my cookbook came out April, 2020, my restaurant opened August, 2020. So a lot of things happened in the pandemic for me. Um, you know, oh, my God. Please share your ups, your downs, your yeah. all arounds, opening a business, because I, I essentially in my head go, well, I was in the, then in the process of closing down because we were not stable. We yeah. weren't open long enough to really have the funds to afford a London Westminster council. <laughs> their yeah. rent, I mean, it was insane. So like during COVID, it was like the demise of my business, my bricks yeah. and mortar. So to open a business. And I now know you have two restaurants. You obviously did something amazing and right and you thrived. Please share, walk, walk through, share the joy of this. I love yeah. it. I mean, I don't think that there's any, like there was no trick. I think a lot of it had to do, I was in Nashville. I was in a city for better or for worse, never shut down, um, which that caused obviously other issues as we opened and as we had customers come in. But um, Nashville probably closed for six weeks. You know, and that was like April and then it, it opened back up that summer. And so, um, again, like that caused. Like I wish I had a, a bar fitness studio in Nashville because yeah. Yeah. we were talking like two years of we're open, we're closed, we're social distance. You can only put six yeah. people in the bar. Like it was insane in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. And I know UK was very, you know, in places in, you know, obviously New York, California um, were closed, but Nashville was never fully closed. Um, which is kind of one of the benefits. Had I opened this in San Francisco, we would have been kind of dead in the water. But um, being in a town where people still left their houses and were more comfortable, um, I think that was key. We also were to go. Like we were, everything is still to go. You know, nothing is for there. There's no table service. So people wanted to leave their house. They would come in and get lunch and then leave. So it wasn't that they were being like super social or having a waiter next to them. It was more that they were just kind of having that interaction with people. 
Um, I think that helped. There definitely were some issues, you know, like the masking, the social distancing, you know, no one gives you any playbook on that. You know, we're not, we were kind of like trying to follow the CDC, but there's no like, you know, no one knew how to handle that. And so that was the harder problem, not opening the business. It's how do you deal with both sides of the cards, people that are very scared and very, you know, masked up and, you know, our employees that are concerned about getting sick. And then other sides, people are like, I don't want to wear a mask, you know, and having those two conversations and trying to kind of make everyone happy. That was the hard part. But then on top of that, you're adding the layer of you have a toddler and you have a newborn. Yeah. How were you also then juggling? I, like you said, I understand that you have a nanny, but like, how are you taking care of you? But and then like giving to the kids as well, this could not have been an easy feat. And it wasn't. I mean, there was definitely hard, hard times, especially, you know, juggling it all. I have a really helpful husband. He was here. He was working from home so he could help with the kids. We had a full time nanny. And so there were bad moments. There were great moments. There were, you know, like it was we kind of everything happened and it was hard and it was wonderful. And so it was a, a mixture of all the emotions that you can possibly imagine. I think, you know, especially moms in the pandemic, no, no one really took care of themselves. You know, like I think they you couldn't really have that time to breathe. And so I think that was the hard part of figuring out like, well, I need to kind of start, you know, working on mental health and taking time for me and space for me and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, it was sometimes really an up uphill struggle just to kind of like get through. Um, and then now that we're on the other side, it's you see how hard it was. But um, when you're in it, you're just kind of like, trying to float right or trying to kind of swim yeah, it's, it's definitely a sink a sink or swim yeah. Where did the name come from what was the inspiration to name your restaurant radish yeah i mean it um this is going to sound a little obvious i mean i'm not that daft in the land of cooking yeah. i realize you can cook with a radish okay yeah. well no i mean i think you know all kind of you know it's essentially a salad concept it's a kind of like a salad grain bowl concept and everyone had the word green in it every other kind of competitor out there or, or like kind of comp we were looking at everything was green or had to do with the actual lettuce. And so um, radish to kind of, kind of came to me. I was rocking my daughter to sleep one night and kind of, it just appeared. Um, I know that sounds kind of like wishy-washy, but um, I loved radish because it, it is something different. It also, when you think of it, you think of colors, you think of texture, you think of crispness. Um, and that's kind of where it came from. And then the brand built around that. And how are the girls uh, with the business? Are they like, you know, do they they head to that restaurant? Are they proud? Are they behind the counter? Have they yeah. made a salad bowl? No, they don't eat salad. I wish they did. Um, they eat bread and our frozen yogurt. So um, they're great, though. They don't know anything different, right? My um, my oldest was two. My younger, you know, like they don't know. There's never been a time where there wasn't a restaurant in their life, or we're going to go to the restaurant to have dinner or order from the restaurant. Um, but yeah, no, they love it. They make themselves at home. They go up and ask for cookies. They, you know, I wish they would eat more vegetables, but we'll get there. <laughs> so, um, yeah. They've yeah. Well, what are your, like, what are your go-to tricks on that? Because m my daughter especially is not, um, a veggie gal at all. I don't know. Like, I don't have any tricks, um, at all. I know everyone expects my kids to only eat vegetables and they don't. They eat a lot of pasta. They eat a lot of grilled cheeses. Um, I make it for them, which makes me feel like a little better, but, um, you know, I think it's it's a power struggle that they're trying to kind of like say, I don't want this. I don't think it's, you know, it's not forever. Um, my pediatrician did just tell me that they'll eat more. They'll be more adventurous for breakfast or dinner or breakfast or lunch. So try like more vegetables then. Um, oh. Apparently, like kids are similar to 
elderly people is that they like don't eat a lot at night. I don't know. <laughs> That's what he told me to try um, to get more like new foods. My youngest will eat like if I'm eating it, she'll eat off of my plate, but they'll never just like order a salad or they're never, you know, the carrots will always stay on their plate if it's on their plate. Okay. No, that's, that's great advice. And I'm actually going to tell my nanny. Yeah. Just, you know, we've got a good shot in the morning and at lunchtime. I, I mean, I think that's true. I think that they're probably hungrier at both of those times. And, you know, dinner time is just like awful on so many levels where everyone's cranky, everyone's tired. Um, so they're going to put up more of a fight. So I don't have, like, I haven't really tried it, but I would suggest trying it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What is in the pipeline now for your, you've got two restaurants now, cookbook. What is in the pipeline for you? What will we be seeing? Yeah, no, I think I'm just trying to kind of like figure it out from here. <laughs> I don't have any plan. There's we a couple, like, aren't we all? <laughs> there's a couple of other food concepts I would like to start, but, um, you know, Nashville real estate, commercial real estate is pretty tricky right now. So just trying to figure out where those would be. And if I want to just, you know, fight that battle again of starting a new business, but we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Well, for that, um, you know, that busy mumsy out there who is struggling in the kitchen, any three, five tips that you can give to them to give them a little more confidence on their, their journey in the kitchen? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's like pantry staples that you should have. And um, I have a list on my site, but you know, it's things like ground turkey, it's pastas, it's rice. It doesn't have to be these sexy ingredients that, you know, everyone's pushing on the internet. It just has to be staples. And if you have those regularly and just practice cooking with them, then you'll always have something to eat. You know, I think it is cooking is a muscle. The more you do it, the easier it is. Um, and so just kind of practicing, even if it's not good, it'll get better the more you do it. Um, I also think prepping in the morning is super important. You know, if you're making coffee, start prepping your ingredients for dinner that night. That way, when you come home at five, it's not like, you know, all hell doesn't break loose with kind of hungry kids, hungry partners, that sort of thing. So if you prep a little in the morning and then kind of have a game plan when you get home, um, I think that helps you a lot too. Amazing. Well, Amanda Fredrickson, thank you so much for your time. All of um, Amanda's information is in the show notes, so please go there, her website, her social media, and you can learn all about how to cook. I'm going to learn how to cook just for you, Amanda, not for my husband. I'm going to learn to cook by from you in this cookbook. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yeah. Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.